0: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined tonight
1: by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you tonight? I'm great, bud. Pretty excited about our guest tonight. It was a uh, fellow former ESPN colleague here, Chris Harris, and he and I did some ESPN fantasy summits together where you know us two opinionated fellows sort of dominated the room and the conversations from time to time, but it was an awful lot of fun, Chris. I'm great to, pretty excited to have you on, man. Thank you. I'm very excited to be on.
2: I it's I'm I'm an early adopter for the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm happy.
0: Nice. Very nice. Yeah, we are we are glad to have you on here. This is and this is of course Chris Harris. He's uh, you can find all of his content now over at harrisfootball.com. I know he's churning out podcasts like crazy.
1: Um, I really am. <laughs> yeah, some good ones this week. By the way, I listened to both the running back and the wide receiver one. Very. Thank good you one. very much. Yeah, somehow we
2: won 2015 Podcast of the Year, Fantasy Sports Podcast of the Year. It was crazy.
1: Well deserved too. That was awesome.
2: Thank you.
0: Well, we're going to jump right in tonight. We have a uh, a long agenda, and we hope to cover it all. Um, we're actually going to talk about some running backs tonight, uh, and and hopefully. Some running backs on every single team. We'll, we'll shoot for the stars and see if that happens. Um, I kind of feel like in today's, um, not only today's NFL, but today's dynasty football world, running backs are just overlooked. You know, they've become kind of the redheaded stepchildren. Everybody wants those wide receivers. And, and of course, the NFL, the league itself, is all about quarterbacks. So running backs have kind of started to become ignored, but we're, we're going to focus on them tonight. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, so I would say you're right to a large degree, but the ones that stand out are the ones who can play on all three downs and who get a lot of work and who become the focal point or one of the focal points of their offense. And I I think those few guys become all the more valuable, all the more scarce. um, And and therefore, if they're younger, you know, we happen to be in a cycle of running backs that are a little bit older, but if they're younger, they can be all that much more valuable.
1: No question. And I think it is worth noting that last year – we had an amazing rash of running back injuries too. So, I mean, I think that a lot of these guys or the position in general is kind of leaving a bad taste in everyone's mouth. You know, Ryan and I are doing an MFL 10 right now, and I was shocked how many receivers were going right off the – you know, right right away. I mean, hardly any running backs were getting taken in the first couple rounds, and I think people are just not investing in them like they used to, especially in redraft.
2: I guess I get that from MFL 10 maybe even more though because, uh, you know, at this point – who knows how those backfields work out, right? And so at least you get a little certainty baked into your wide receivers.
1: Hey, before we get started, Chris, I've heard you talk about this a lot. I've never had this conversation with you, you know, face-to-face or even up in Bristol or whatever. I got to hear about this blah, 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 Lebowski league that you're in. It sounds unbelievable. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the
2: blah 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 Lebowski League. Stop, 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 it's, actually, blah, 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 blah. it's La Liga Lebowski, but we do refer to it as Lebowski. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy thing that I dreamt up. So did were did you ever hang out at ESPN when John Anik was still there?
1: No, I did not. Okay.
2: so Anik right now he calls fights for the UFC, right? And uh, but he was one of my original hosts for most a lot of a lot of the uh, TV stuff I did and you know okay. Sports Center stuff I did, whatever. And we're good pals, and he was leaving. And I was like, "Okay, dude, we got. To, I know how this works. We're never gonna stay in touch unless we do something. So let's, start, right. a, let's start a. Let's set Let's start a league. And of course, a lot of people listening are that way, right? You you want to stay in touch with your college buddies or whatever. Okay, so we want to do a league, but we don't want it to just be standard, right? We want it to be something special. And I had been saving ideas for rules for a keeper league for a long time, and I'd been throwing them into a Word file, like. Things that annoy me about typical leagues, and so, like for example, it annoys me in a dynasty league when Cam Newton costs a dollar his first year, and then you can keep him for relatively cheap forever, right? Maybe it's a little bit of price acceleration, but you know, it, he's still going to be cheap until he retires, basically. And a few things like that, things that sort of, you know, tick me off. So I came up, I had come up with mechanisms to kind of change. So I, so in the case of that example, I have player holdouts. So if you That's if correct. players finish in the top 10 at their position, and they're not earning half of the average of the top 10 at their position, they'll hold out for more money from year to year. That's and right. And f- franchise tags, transition tags, accelerated salary cap hits. So it's kind of a big, unwieldy, complicated thing. But what's So we just finished our fifth year, and by the way, I won it for the first time this year, which was
1: kind of nice. nice. work, nice work.
2: But the, uh, the podcast, the Harris Football podcast, um, starting, and me doing a daily uh, podcast, sort of gave me the opportunity to talk about it, and it spawned all of these clone leagues. So they're like, I don't know, between 10 and 15 La Liga clone leagues that just <laughs> did their first seasons. So And everybody kind of considers that page that I wrote five years ago as kind of the Bible and that they work off of. And uh,
1: it's turned into a whole thing, and it's really fun. That's pretty awesome. It's highly, highly in-depth from what it sounds like.
2: I'll send you the link. I'll send, I'll, right, I'll, right. I've posted the link a bunch of times on Twitter, but, uh, yeah, the rules page, you, your eyes will bug out a little bit.
1: That's unbelievable. Well, let's get rolling. Let's talk uh, running backs here. All
0: right. Well, what I have done, guys, is I've taken every NFL backfield and basically placed them into some categories. And uh, I, I want to see if you guys agree with me, and then you can just take off on, uh, on anything you want within that category. So I I've first started with a few that I consider safe. So these are running backs, their, uh, their value in dynasty leagues I think is fairly safe, their job in their, uh, on their team I should say is, is safe. So of course we have Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, Todd Gurley, uh, one of Matt's favorites, TJ Yeldon down in Jacksonville, Jamal Charles, David Johnson, Adrian Peterson, and then Carlos Hyde in San Francisco. So those are the guys I have in the safe category, I don't see much of a threat behind any of them. Um, Chris, would you disagree with any of those?
2: Well, as much as I like Carlos Hyde, you know, I, I think the Forty ers have to get another running back, and I would say that they're they, they're potential players for one of the free agents. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Arian Foster or somebody like that went to San Francisco. As currently constituted in San Francisco, yeah, there's no one there who's a threat. But I don't think they can go into next season with that depth chart because Hyde, you know, got hurt, and now he's going to have a Injury-prone bugaboo associated with him, and uh, you know, so I probably wouldn't put him there uh, just because I expect. Them. But but yes, I mean I agree that there's no one there
1: right now who scares me.
0: Matt, anything from that group jump out to you?
1: Yeah, I agree. In San Francisco, I mean, I think they'll, they like Mike Davis, you know, who's kind of an under-the-radar rookie last year. Uh, maybe they bring back Sean Drawn. I mean, of course, those guys aren't going to cut into hide, but I, I could see them getting somebody more constant, you know, more consequence than that. Um, To the other dimension, I've talked up Yeldon because I don't think he is in any danger. But when Chris just said Arian Foster, it dawned on me. It's like Jacksonville has so much cap room that they're going to have a hard time spending it all. I mean, maybe they do go grab Chris Ivory or Arian Foster or somebody that's at least, you know, comes in as a strong number two because they have to spend their money. And then back to the cap. I don't think this is going to happen, but I don't think it's outlandish to suggest that Kansas City considers cutting Jamal Charles, because they are loaded with defensive free agents, they need an offensive line, they were a phenomenal running team without him last year. I don't think it's going to happen, but that wouldn't blow me away.
2: And, you know, there's just the the injury question with him, and there's the the potential replacements being their potential with them. I, you know, I don't love either one of those guys, but they were competent in what was kind of a magical run for the Chiefs. So I'm with you. In fact, I don't even know if there's a big cap savings on cutting Charles at this point. But, you know, is a 29-year-old running back coming off a torn ACL, so everything's on the table.
0: Sure. All right, so our next group we have are the, uh, the players that are clearly in, in running back by committees, or, or at least a strong potential to be in a committee attack uh, let's start with Buffalo we've got LaShawn McCoy uh, you know he's had a rough offseason so far with with his incident over in Philadelphia and then of course we have the the rookie last year's rookie Carlos Williams um, is this still McCoy's job is, is he pretty safe there
2: I know everybody's going to say no um, I, Carlos Williams is going to be one of the most hyped players in fantasy this summer. And it, it, it may be one of those situations where the hype gets so, going so crazy that it then rebounds and people start liking McCoy again. Um, I, I like Carlos Williams fine, but the numbers on him don't tell the story. I mean, you can't get a you know, touchdown every three carries, whatever it was, there for a month. Um, and I thought McCoy, when he was healthy, was pretty good last year. But he's on the back nine, and Carlos Williams is a big guy, and I wouldn't be shocked to see Williams be the touchdown maker there. I think characterizing it as some kind of platoon is probably right.
0: You know, I was surprised. I, um, for Dynasty League football, Chris, you may not know, but I put together monthly Dynasty ADP by running some a few mock drafts each month. And in our February data, Carlos Williams was actually being drafted ahead of LaShawn McCoy in Dynasty Startups. I was I was kind of surprised to see that even, even with the off-field issues with McCoy.
2: Yeah, I mean, Matt, you, you like Carlos Williams fine, but I don't think you get carried away
1: over him, right? Correct, but I've talked about him on the show too that I don't want to forget that he was a safety not that long ago at Florida State. So, I mean, his best days might be ahead of him. I think he'll be a Rex Ryan favorite, I mean, a rugged dude. But I thought McCoy was washed up and and gone. But he was imp- he impressed me last year. He exceeded my expectations, exceeded my expectations. Their offensive lines would scare me up there. I mean, I'm kind of avoiding that situation. All right. What about in Cincinnati? They they've lost Hugh
0: Jackson, uh, their former offensive coordinator. It's Giovanni Bernard, Jeremy Hill. Uh, you know, Gio had a disappointing sophomore season two years ago. Hill kind of took the reins. And then history repeated itself with Hill disappointing fantasy owners last year. Whose job is this, and and do we even really want either one of these guys?
2: So I'll go first. I mean, I, I just Matt, I'm remembering last year's <clears throat> last year's uh, summit at ESPN, where you know people walked in saying Jeremy Hill's not you, but some folks came in saying Jeremy Hill's like a contender for the number one pick overall. Yeah, and just. Being, I remember just being floored, like people saying, oh, he's a candidate to lead the NFL in carries, and people saying he's an unbelievably dynamic player, and that just did not jive with what I saw on film from his rookie year when the numbers turned out really good. Um, I just think he's like a on – on my podcast, I call him a hippo on roller skates.
0: Like I, <laughs> I
2: don't think – I think he's a big guy, and – you know, there's a little Derrick Henry in him, maybe. Like when when it's not like he's slow when he gets space, he just takes a while to get going and isn't going to make a ton of cuts. And if I had my choice between Gio or Jeremy Hill, I take Gio every single time.
1: I certainly would in real life. I mean, like I I don't think they're close, but I often make that mistake. I said that last week. It's like, uh, I you know my background. I I was in the league. You know, my background isn't fantasy. My background is NFL scouting. And I always lean towards the better football player, but Hill scores touchdowns and Geo doesn't. You know, like it yeah. kind of. It Although they to seem to different.
2: come, they seem to come in the same game. <laughs> they seem to come right. like, yeah, right. you got four of them.
1: <laughs> but I don't see that situation changing at all. I mean, I think those two are yeah. going to remain who they are in fantasy for the foreseeable fu- foreseeable future. I mean, do you agree, Ryan? Yeah, I think so.
0: I mean, you know, this time last year, it was it was the Hill hype, and and Ge- but Geo's value was still kind of hanging around. And most people had those guys both in their top twelve running backs um, neither one finished in the, finished in the top twelve running backs in in scoring last year so I think they you know their value has cooled a little bit um, if you like one of them now's the time to go by they're both pretty reasonably uh, can be acquired pretty reasonably so um, I agree with you guys geo Geo's the talent um, yeah.
2: I mean, so I've had Gio in La Liga for, since he came in the league, and it's a half point per reception league. And you know, I, I, I granted, if it's a standard league and you're not getting anything for catches, maybe a little less appeal. But I'll tell you, I'm very happy plugging in Gio in a half point PPR and just saying, oh, I mean, pretty safe floor. Give me my five or six points, and then let's see what happens.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry, Matt. I was going to say the same thing. You know, Matt mentioned Hill gets the touchdowns, but Geo gets the catches. So, you know, there's some balance to that if you're in a PPR league.
1: In my mind, thinking free agency right now, and what are these teams going to look like? And I'm always thinking this time of year, projecting. And if you think of Cincinnati, all the receivers beside A.J. Green are free agents. I mean, does that mean more catches for Geo? I mean, I assume Jones will leave. You know, they're, they're going to have somebody there, but there's going to be turnover at the wide receiver position. Does he catch more passes?
0: Yeah, maybe so. Well, let, let's stay in Ohio with Cleveland and Duke Johnson, <laughs> Isaiah Crowell. Uh, Matt, I know you're a Duke Johnson fan, so I know that's that's the side you're going to lean. Why don't Why don't you get us started?
1: Well, a lot of people make the comparison. You know, that this Browns backfield is going to be like the Bengals backfield. And I think there's some similarities there. I mean, Duke and Geo have some things going for them. But... Cleveland's always losing. (laughs) I mean, I I think there's a lot more garbage time in Duke's future than there is Geo's future. And their line worries me. Mac could be leaving. Schwartz is a really good right tackle. He won't be back. I think Crowell's a little bit better than he's given credit for. But I'm a big Duke Johnson buyer right now. I mean, I think you can get him reasonably cheap. I think he'll touch the ball a lot. Duke
2: Johnson impressed me on film for a lot of the year. There just wasn't enough work for him and not enough Competent quarterback play, basically. To, yeah. you know, you just you, you would see Duke, you know, run out of the slot and and run a nine route and they and catch it over his shoulder, just like looking like a wide receiver. I mean, he's got ball skills to, for days. I'm not sure he can carry the ball from scrimmage like Geo Ken, you know, I, I think he really is more of a Shane Vereen type, a Deion Lewis type. But that's okay, you know what? In today's league, with the running backs needing to catch them, I mean that means he's gonna be on the field more than the other guy, not less than the other guy. You know, there was there was a time when the third-down back was a that was that was a dirty word for running backs in fantasy, and now for dynasty, I'm cool building around players like that. That you know, especially like you said, I mean if Cleveland's gonna be behind. A little bit of a crutch argument, but still, I, I mean, right. how, much, how much can you <laughs> – they've been bad, and they're going to have a rookie quarterback, and who, who's that guy going to throw the ball to? Like, I'm with you. Isaiah Corral just doesn't really do anything for him. I think he's sort of a league average guy. Duke would be the one I'd want to invest in.
0: So I hesitate to call this next situation a running back by committee, but Philadelphia, we've got DeMarco Murray, huge disappointment last season. It, you know, they even dropped him to third or fourth on the depth chart at, at one point, which you know was was kind of a ridiculous move. And, and then there's Ryan Matthews, and of course they also have Darren Sproles, and who knows what his future is with the team or in the league. But uh, they've got they've got some options there. Can Murray reclaim this job now that Kelly is gone, or will will Matthews kind of hang around and and be a you know be a sec- a a second back that actually plays a pretty big role? Chris, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think it's probably, to some degree, status quo until one of them gets hurt. The irony of last year was the only way, the only thing we could see going wrong in that situation was, you know, someone's going to get hurt. And, I mean, Matthews got, you know, a little bit hurt, but not one of the, his prototypical broken collarbone season-enders. And as it turned out, they all stayed healthy, and they still were terrible. Um, you know... I just think the whole style argument that people tried to make about how, oh, DeMarco Murray's a bad fit for Chip Kelly. Like, the year before, LaShawn McCoy, who's basically the exact opposite of DeMarco Murray, was considered a bad fit for Chip Kelly's offense. So, like, which is it? Do you want the guy who goes laterally like LaShawn McCoy and you talk him out of town? Or do you want the guy who goes north-south like DeMarco Murray and now you want to talk him out? Like, it seems to me the problem in Philly was a lot more than the talent of running backs. You know, we're turn, turning out, we hate the coach. Offensive line was way overrated. Like, you know, I think it's probably some some semblance of a split, but I don't know if I care.
1: Yeah, I, I hear you too. I mean, I own Murray nowhere. I'm never going to own him. I mean, but I could see him having somewhat of a bounce-back season. You know, They're going to play like the Chiefs played. You know, I mean, Peterson is going to be a run-first guy. Uh, I think that much is clear. I think there will be plenty of carries to go around. But I've said this in game one. I mean, Ryan Matthews is more talented than Demarco Murray.
0: I, I think, you know, it's just hard to hard to trust Matthews. You know, he had a couple of huge games last year, especially as a as a receiver out of the backfield. But you know, how can you project those when, you know, he's not like Gio or Duke, who's getting four or five, six, seven catches every game. He just had one or two games where he really exploded. So. I mean, I can, I see the talent there as well, Matt, but I I just don't know
1: if you can, you know, is he even worth a roster spot? One thing I want to note just about this group in general, Buffalo and Cincinnati, I think, are pretty safe. that They're not going to tamper with their backfield. Cleveland, you never know. I mean, they have a lot of cap room. It wouldn't blow me away if they used a pick on a guy. The Eagles could cut there and Sproles still, and both these guys aren't young, Murray and Matthews. If they are going to run the ball a ton, might they bring somebody in that cuts into these guys' time? And then this next one we bring up is San Diego. I think they're married to Josh, or not Josh Gordon, Melvin Gordon. They're married to him. But Woodhead's a specialty guy. I mean, do they maybe they bring in a hammer, a goal line stealer guy? So I'm not sure that these last three in this group are set in stone yet.
0: Right, and that's that's another situation that I hesitated to to tab a running back by committee. You know, I think they want Melvin Gordon to claim that job and, and be their, you know, maybe not their every down back, but at least first and second down. Um, and he just couldn't do that last year. Can Chris, can, can Gordon actually do something in the league, or is he just going to be a bust?
2: Uh, I think he can do something in the league. I, I liked Melvin Gordon last year. Okay, so let me say, I didn't like the fumbling, and that is not a small thing. It, ball security... If it rears its head again this year, he's gonna find himself out of the league. Like it's gonna, it can be a thing that literally, you know, it's David Wilson, you, right? And suddenly you're not playing. Um, if he gets that under control, I think the rest of it is really, really good. He made stuff out of nothing. This was, I think, the worst offensive line in the NFL. And I will grant you, it's been a bad offensive line for a while, and they keep throwing draft picks at it, and they keep not improving it. So maybe I shouldn't have tons of faith that they're just suddenly going to be magically better in 2016. But as a player, so not a good situation, but as a player, other than the fumbling, I you know, there were no touchdowns. That stinks. It's a little fluky. Anywood did steal some. Like, I'm not trying to tell you Melvin Gordon is a first-round pick, but I believe that the lateral quickness, toughness, catching the ball i think you're looking at a value pick a value pick up let's say for dynasty leagues
0: so chris would you you know of course if you have melvin gordon on your roster you probably spent the 1.03 rookie pick for him last year something in that range would you give up a late first round rookie pick for gordon right now
2: this year absolutely i would I would. I mean, I just, I don't think it's a great skill position draft. I don't know which receiver, you know, we'll find out whether, with maybe they'll all land on just unbelievably great situations where they're all, you know, projected to be, uh, you know, number one receivers for fabulous quarterbacks, but that doesn't usually happen. Um, I I absolutely would.
0: All right, so our next category we're going to look at is some free agent impact, some teams that uh, free agency... Could could really impact these teams and and in, impact their backfields. Let's start with Tampa Bay. Of course, their starter Doug Martin had a huge season last year, kind of a bounce back year, and he's now a free agent. Um, everybody thought he would. Uh, he was a lock to return to Tampa. There's kind of been you know ebbs and flows that maybe he leaves town, maybe he he resigns. Um, let's say he does choose to leave. Will charl Will they turn to Charles Sims as their starter? Uh, will they bring in? Uh, I th- well they'll have to bring in somebody else. But um, will they bring bring in somebody else like a Forte or a Foster? Some of these other guys we've mentioned, or will they rely on Charles Sims?
1: First off, I don't think Martin's going anywhere. You know, we're gonna get to Miami next. Those are the two premier younger free agent to be running backs. I think Martin returns to Tampa Bay. I don't think Miller returns to Miami. I mean, do I have inside information on that? No, but I just think that Tampa needs him you know, to make life easier on Winston. He played really well for them. Um, I'd be shocked if he leaves. Although, with or without Martin, I think Sims is a more than serviceable PPR back. Like I want him on my roster, and if Martin goes down, he's an every week starter. He doesn't cost you a ton right now. If Martin were not to come back, though, I do think they bring in a bigger back. I don't think they hand the job to Sims.
2: Sure, and actually, Sims is size-wise is a bigger back, but you're yeah. absolutely right. He's not. He doesn't play like it, and he's much more of a receiving back. And um, there are moments from his tape that are terrific. I mean, I'm remembering a run last year where he faked Luke Heekley out of his out of his jock. You know, I mean, there's there are moments, but I just don't think he has it. The way I don't, you know, I think what it comes down to is when you see a player who has a lot of athletic ability and good size and you know toughness and hands and everything we want from a running back, and he just doesn't break a lot when someone else on his team is Doug Martin is. To me, that means vision. I just don't know that Charles Sims has the vision to be a feature back. Of the instincts, I'll call it sort of esoterically. Um, I love Doug Martin. I've always loved Doug Martin. Uh, I would love to see him re sign because it's a good situation for him. But uh, you know, I I also sort of dream what it would be like if he was with a little bit more of a power offense, because I think he'd be great. Clearly he's got to stay healthy, though. There were, <laughs> there were two years in the, in the wilderness where he wasn't.
0: You mentioned Miami already, Matt. With, with Lamar Miller potentially leaving, they've got the, um, the rookie, the I guess the soon-to-be second-year back, J.A. Jai. Um, he, he played well when he finally got healthy last season. Uh, what about him? Do they consider
1: him uh, starting material? Well, like like every time we bring up these teams, I often bring up their cap situation. Tampa's got a lot to spend. Miami's really cash-strapped right now, especially after that Sioux contract. And, and Olivier Vernon's up. I mean, they have bigger fish to fry right now in Miami, bigger mammals to fry. Ah, nice one, huh? <laughs> 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 Than a, a running back. And frankly, I like Miller, but everyone, the dynasty, the fantasy community consistently thinks that they're smarter than Miami coaches and why don't they give Miller a huge huge workload? Well, three staffs have thought that he is not a workhorse back and they're with him every day and they do this for a living. Maybe that's something about the player, that he is not a workhorse back. I like Miller. Um, I think Ajayi was better on tape than Miller was last year. I really like this kid, but I like him more for redraft. I think he has a big season, but there's a reason he was a fifth-round pick instead of a second-round pick because his knees all messed up.
2: Yeah, like literally this week on, on my podcast, uh, I had one of the scouts tell me that, you know, the reason guy fell was absolutely because of the knee, and, and one team doctor had told that scout, I can't tell you his knee's going to blow up. I literally don't know whether that knee lasts two days or a decade, and that's why I can't give him a clean bill of health. It's not one of those that's definitely a degenerative condition, and it's definitely, you know, it's just a matter of time. It's one of those where they just don't know. Mm-hmm. And that is scary, and, and I'm with you. That that puts a little bit of a, of a dark cloud on his dynasty stock, but not that much. You know, like, what do we with running backs? Are we really planning on having these guys for five years on our dynasty teams? Like, probably running not. Running backs get hurt. Yeah, I mean, they, they, <laughs> yeah. And, and and often hurt bad enough that when they come back, they're not the same guy anymore. Um, it's pretty rare to get the the age 28, 29, 30 guy who we've had a generation of running backs here who stayed pretty effective. The Fortes, the Lynches, the Petersons, the Charleses. Uh, who, who stayed effective later than I think we expect running backs typically to, to do. So I, I'm with you. I thought Ajay was better on tape than Lamar Miller at the end of last year. I think Lamar Miller's a knucklehead. I think that's why the coaches don't trust him. I think he just does goofy things on the field. I didn't do anything bad off the field. I just think he's that guy who's in the open, ready to run for a long touchdown, and you know changes the ball from one hand to the other and drops it. Or... Mysteriously cuts towards a defensive back instead of away from. Like I don't think he's got great football instincts. He's obviously a great athlete, and I think some the dynasty community just fantasizes about Lamar Miller to Dallas. That's you know everybody just rates him as though Dallas is going to pay to get him. In which case, yeah, he's going to be really, really good.
1: Right. I'm curious. I own Jai in one league, and I'm hoping it plays out this way that they don't resign Miller. Maybe they use a fourth-round pick on a running back, whatever. Name Ajayi the starter. His value will peak, and then I can hold somebody over the coals for him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I, the plan. I,
0: I can see that happening. We're going to talk later about some uh, some of these other sophomores um, who could be claiming the job when, you know, uh, Thomas Rawls would, would be an example. You know, Marshawn Lynch is gone, so now it's maybe it's Rawls' job uh, going forward. But those guys, have already, they're already being valued highly in Dynasty. And Ajayi mm-hmm. seems to be just kind of on the outside looking in. If Miller does, you know, on on the first or second day of free agency, if he signs a big contract to, to go to Dallas or, uh, you know, whoever else has, has all this money to spend, then Ajayi's value is just going to skyrocket, you oh, know, yeah. with, whether he deserves it or not. Um, so, you know, you've got... What two or three more weeks to to take a chance and and buy him in your in your dynasty leagues? And now, like, like
2: Matt, he, you can wait. Or like Matt, you can wait and wait for it to happen and then sell him. And if you don't, have, if you're not a longer term believer,
1: yeah, exactly. Because I do worry about the knee a little bit more than the average running back. But your point's taken. I mean, okay, there's a running back with durability question. So what? They all are.
0: Yeah, I I think Chris's point is an excellent one, and and I probably should have said this at the beginning of the conversation our entire conversation tonight really has kind of a redraft what will next year look like uh feel to it but that's how that's how i value running backs i think that's probably how you guys value running backs in dynasty as well you know if you can give me a guy you know if you can give me Todd Gurley and say he's going to be a, a top 5 d- fantasy running back for the next 10 years then, you know, I'm excited about that. But in general, just give me a guy who can be a starter for one year,
1: two years, and, and, you know, I'll figure it out from there. Hey, Chris, remember the, the, the past Fantasy Summit? What was Stefania saying about Gurley, too? I mean, there was a high percentage of guys that blew out a knee that do it again. You know, I mean, he's more at risk than the average bear, too. Yeah, and yet...
2: I mean, uh, you know, I stayed high on Gurley all summer. I, well, I yeah. owned him in so many redraft leagues because people were willing to let him slip. And it's like, you know, we wound up seeing how many running backs won getting hurt. And I totally agree with what you said early in the show, which was it was a fluky year and it's not going to be like that every single season. But I feel mighty good about the championships that I won behind Gurley.
0: <laughs> no doubt. All right, let's move on to another category. I I called this one looking for answers. So some of these teams, they may have an answer in in the very short term, uh, and some we just have no idea what what they're going to do. Um, Let's look at Baltimore. So they've got Justin Forsett. He had the the big year a couple years ago, got hurt last year. They turned to to Buck Allen, who I don't know what you guys thought. I wasn't overly impressed by him. Um, He's not in that. Thomas Rawls category of, you know, lock him in as the starter for the next two years, at least in my opinion. Um, do they give Allen another shot? Do they bring in one of these free agents? I, I know they're they're not usually big players in the free agency uh, free agent market. So what what's going to happen in Baltimore? Chris, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I would be pretty surprised if they were a player for one of these for for Matt Forte or something. It's just not their style. Plus, I think they like Justin Forsett a lot. I, you know if I'm going to name a presumptive starter for 2016, I think it's Forsett again. I'm not sure I'd do it that way, but there are a lot of interpersonal locker room stuff that's important, and then, and he's a key member of that team, and they had a lot of success as an offense when he was healthy in 2014. Um, and, you know, I don't think Forsett played... I wouldn't blame Justin Forsett for not producing awesome numbers while he, before he got hurt later in the year, last year. Like, I thought he played what he's supposed to be. He did exactly what he's supposed to be. He just caught lightning in a bottle in 2014 and was you know it was the most overrated player this summer this past summer and it was never going to happen that it was a repeat and and it didn't and that's okay and I think Forsett is what he is he can still be a starter a 60-40 guy where he's getting 60% and be just fine and it'll come down to how good is everything else can they find a passing game can they keep receivers healthy can they get an offensive line I'm with you on Buck Allen you know I think he's an, a pretty good player, but I don't think he's a star, and I don't think he's somebody you build an offense around. Um, it's funny, you know, you don't realize, when you watch his film, you don't realize he's as big as he is. He doesn't really pr- run particularly big. He's fast enough, and he catches it really well, but this is a six two twenty guy and just doesn't run with power.
0: Uh, Matt, any, any thoughts about what's going on in Baltimore?
1: I basically agree. I have a feeling the Ravens like Allen more than I do. You know, they drafted him for a reason. They've seen him. I just think the general philosophy in Baltimore this year is rarely do we pick early. We are going to kind of tread water at our skill position players, and we're going to build a defense. You know, I mean, I think with the six pick overall, they're going best defensive defensive player available, probably again in the second round. If they're spending money in free agency, it's to bring back Osemele. It's not to go out and get... Foster or Forte or one of these type of guys I think they just kind of roll with it for this year and they'll be a major player a year from now for running back yeah I
0: mean there's there's not many pieces on that on that offense that get you really excited as the dynasty owner um, you know maybe maybe Perriman can do something when he finally gets on the field. I saw today he's you know he's not even cleared yet so there's some concern there but uh you know they just can't have the same injury issues that they had. Uh, last year you know that was one of the worst I I can remember um, as a as a football fan I mean you know Flacco uh, and and Forsett Smith and and Perriman and of course they never really got tight end figured out with um, with Pitta it looks like his career's over but I mean they just had so many injuries and, and those guys you know, not just missing a game or two, but landing on the injured reserve list. So,
2: speaking of Flacco, do you? I mean, I don't. I guess they'll push him, and he'll be there for week one. I don't think it's a fait accompli that, however good you think Joe Flacco is when he's healthy, that he'll be that guy in the first month of the season. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, I, re- I remember seeing a a report soon after his injury that week one was in doubt for him, and uh, I mean, this was months ago now. But there hasn't been much talk about that lately. But I think it's, you know, it's something over the next few weeks and months as this as the season gets closer, as training camp gets closer, you know, we've got to start looking at, is he is he even going to be on the field in week one? Well, let's move over to Houston. We've got um, Aaron Foster. Speaking, speaking of, of quarterback injuries. issues. Yeah, speaking of quarterback <laughs> in- issues and speaking of injuries as well. Uh, of course, Foster's season ended early and uh, – you know whether he can come back from that injury or not. It looks like he's going to be uh, cut from from the Texans either way. I don't think their future running back uh, starter is on the roster right now. I mean, Alfred Blue is is a nothing. You know, so do they draft a rookie? Do they go after one of these one of these free agents? You know, Alfred Morris is a guy we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, he'll land somewhere. I think he can be better than, than he was last year in Washington. Um,
1: wh- what does Houston do, Matt? What do you think? I think you're right that their starter is not on the roster. I think there's a chance this is where Elliott lands, although I have one I like a little bit better coming up here. Um, maybe they're a Forte player, maybe Miller, somebody like that. I, I don't know, but I don't. Th- I think Foster's gone and the starter's not on the roster. So I would not be investing in Blue or any of those other jokers.
2: (laughs) Jokers, I like it. (laughs) You know, Jonathan Grimes is the only one who I think can play. Um, I don't think he's a feature back by any stretch, but I think he's a good player, and he's not little. Um, He's pretty durable. He's pretty versatile. I wouldn't be shocked to see Grimes in some sort of timeshare with someone else, but I agree that someone else probably isn't there.
0: Um, so let's let's think about Foster just for a moment. One one strategy I like to use in my dynasty leagues, I, I build around wide receivers, um, and and then I just go pluck those aging running backs. And if they give me one year, great. If they give me two years, all the better. Is Foster a guy we should be buying, or are we just done with him altogether?
1: Would you give up three eight for him right now, or three four? You know, a, a random third round pick for him. I think I'd do that. I wouldn't give him a second for him. I mean, I think there's a good philosophy there, because we're going to get to a lot of teams. Like, the Jets don't have a running back on their roster. You know, I mean, he's going to play somewhere next year.
2: For eight games. <laughs> <At most. laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the problem. I love Arian Foster, and I think he, he's a... In, in, like, the story of the NFL in this era, he'll probably be an overlooked guy, because I think he was a top three running back in the NFL for maybe four or five years, but... He's so maddening. You know, the health has just been such a problem, and, you know, we've been saying we, every time we have this conversation summer after summer after summer, it's always the same thing, and it always plays out the same way. It would be tough for me to be a buyer, and, you know, unless it's just really cheap. I, I would say I, I'd feel a lot more comfortable, you know, saying, all right, let's hope, hope I can get him in a, in a veteran auction in your Dynasty League, depending on your format, right, and maybe just have him for that one year and not have to rely on him as a starter and then trade him. <laughs> you know, three good games and trade him.
1: Yeah, he could be that guy that you're working to trade with your buddy and like, ah, eh, throw an Aaron Foster and I'll do it. So he does that, and then after week four, you trade him for a future second round pick and you win. Then he gets hurt in week five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All
0: right. Um I think the Colts are an interesting situation. Of course they signed Gore last year and, and everybody immediately changed their expectations of, of what his season could look like um which led to some disappointment. He was he was fine. I don't think he was he was great. Um so do they stick with Gore for this next season? Uh or or do they, you know, what what are they doing there? They don't really have a quality young back on the roster.
2: Yeah, I mean they they were yeah, I I thought, boy, the stage is set for Josh Robinson to be a little something. And I mean little but you know, like a Maurice Jones-Drew type, and he just fumbled everything away. I think he, I think he's still on the practice squad. I would love to see him get another chance because I think he's an NFL back. But I mean, you can't fumble like that. You know, you get barely any work, and you they have to add somebody. You know, I, it probably is going to be Gore it's, as a lead guy. I think the best thing you can say about Gore's film from last year is at least he didn't fall off a cliff. He pretty much was what he was the last year in San Francisco. And that's an accomplishment for you know a back of his age, and I would say they. Have, Matt has said this a few times, but they have bigger fish to fry. You know, maybe they spend a mid-round pick on a running back. Maybe a decent bet that they do that, but I don't imagine he would be a threat to Gore right away.
0: Right, I agree. I, I mean, they they have to add someone in the draft, most likely, and, and that's probably you know with with Gore as the starter, that's probably somebody we would want to take a shot on in rookie drafts depending on,
1: um, you know, depending on how early of a pick the Colts use. I totally agree. Right, I, but in, in this backfield, maybe Josh Robinson's another one that you're talking trade. Throw in Josh Robinson because maybe he ends up being the guy in week seven.
2: Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, 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 I'm I, usually very skeptical of smaller backs. But I don't view Robinson. I think he's one of those exceptions where he's not a small back. He's a short back. You know, he packs a wallop. He's not light. Um, so maybe he's five seven. You know, I don't know what he measured. I don't remember what he measured at the combine. But you know, very very yeah. short. Yeah. Yeah. But he. But he. I just. I bought on him last year and thought, okay, I'm in a decent position here. I don't trust Mod Bradshaw to ever stay healthy. And uh, and lo and behold, there's the chance. And all he did was fumble. And you know, it just. It, Lose our taste, but listen, if I can get over Melvin Gordon fumbling, I I think I can get over Josh Robinson fumbling.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just wonder if there was more there with the Robinson deal because, I mean, he did have the fumbles, of course, which, you know, will will keep you off the field. But for them to cut him and, and throw him back on the practice squad, I was kind of surprised, you know, that that seemed kind of rash. Um,
2: In favor of Zerlon Tipton. Like, well, of course, obviously we all love Zerlon Tipton.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So let's let's talk about the team that everybody has to talk about when they talk running backs, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. That um, you know probably the best offensive line in the in the league. Uh, they turned Darren McFadden into uh, a fantasy starter again. The the back half of last season. Um, are they going to give McFadden another chance to be their starter? Are they going to bring in one of these veterans, or do they uh, do they go after Zeke Elliott?
2: Tough to see him taking him at four, though, right? I mean, I think to some degree, the NFL draft, like, it has this pretzel logic that I don't like. It's like you know you need a running back. Elliot's really, really good. Like, I, I don't think we see any flaws. And just because everyone says you shouldn't take him at four, or you don't take him at four. Like, I, I would just love to see Elliot on the Cowboys. I just, I think it's a shame if they go with McFadden as their main guy because it just wastes, for me, it wastes the year of that offensive line. Like, yeah, McFadden's gonna be okay. He was all right. He had a little bit of production. But, you know, I watched that film a couple times. Like, he, he doesn't do anything special anymore. I just I think you could almost put anybody in that offensive line. If you gave him touches, he'd be as good as McFadden was last year. Um, if you're telling me which, you know, I, I would like to see Chris Ivory there if you told me that they could sign a free agent because he's a bruiser. Um, but, boy, I, I, know, I know it won't happen, and I know I'm probably naive for saying this, but I would love to see the Cowboys just take Elliott at four.
1: Yeah, and we know that's not going to happen. Yep. But they could take Henry at two four, and then the dynasty like world. So I don't either, and yeah. the, the dynasty world would blow. I mean, it would go absolutely bonkers if Henry ended up the Heisman winner going to Dallas. I mean, right. I could see that happening, and Henry would be massively inflated and not what he should be, you know?
2: Right. It's like it's like the what-if game. What if Brandon Jacobs played behind the Dallas offensive line? Oh, he'd be Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's who I think Derrick Henry is. I've said that a couple yeah. times. But it is a prime landing spot. I don't think they're going to go get Martin or Forte or one of these guys, though. They have a lot of fish to fry, too.
2: Right. I mean, Miller would be, you know, Miller, I as I said Maybe, earlier, right? yeah. he's he's the fantasy, I think, of of dynasty owners who are holding on to Lamar Miller. Like, that's the the prime spot for him to land. But I'm with you. Like, is there money for that? I I just – I don't imagine that there is.
1: Yeah, but don't they want a bell cow? Don't they want Murray? Somebody give a ton of carries to? That's not Miller at all.
2: It's definitely not Miller. I'm 100% with you there. I I think the way you phrased that earlier, like, stop blaming the Dolphins. Maybe it's Miller. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it's fair to say that whoever lands in Dallas, if it's one of these free agents or if it's – You know, if it's Henry or Elliott, or even maybe even a third-round rookie running back, they're going to be overvalued. their Their value is going to see that huge spike. So, um, you know, somebody's going to get lucky with having one of these players on the on their roster already. If if it is a free agent, and you're going to have a chance to sell.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I don't know why you'd say that. I mean, wasn't Joseph Randall a great player when he was like a freaking second-round pick last year? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: right yeah they what they tried Joseph Randall they tried Kristen Michael uh, so you know those two guys are are trying to disprove your statement of, of being anyone. able to put, <laughs> yeah, just, just anyone
2: <laughs> to, be, to be honest if Randall had you know three brain cells to run, rub together I think he would have been fine he would have been at least McFadden level it's just you know you can't can't rely on the guy
0: yeah exactly well let's uh, let's finish off this category with a couple of teams, we'll just group these these two together. These these teams are in bad shape. The Tennessee Titans. So they draft Bishop Sankey. They draft David Cobb. Both of those guys look like total bust. Um, I don't think they can give either one of these guys another chance as a starter. Um, they've they've got to add someone. And then the Jets, who had a great running game last year with um, with Chris Ivory and Bilal Powell. Catching some balls out of the backfield. Uh, these guys are, are. I know Ivory is a free agent. I believe Pal is also a free agent. Yes. He he uh, yeah. So, you know, probably one of those guys stays in town, and maybe that's safe to assume. But, but they have some questions in their backfield as well. Um, any thoughts on on either of those two teams, guys?
1: Go for it, Chris. Yeah. I mean. I-
0: I'm not sure
2: I'm ready to give up on David Cobb. I'm certainly ready to give up on Bishop Sankey. Um, and I, I never liked him to start with as a as a prospect. Um, I still I still think that – listen, do I think David Cobb is a future star in the NFL? No. Do I think he can be Jeremy Hill? I do. You know, and I, I'm going to say a lot of the dysfunction in Tennessee last year was about the coaching – It's just a stupid, stupid coaching, <laughs> coaching staff. The way Ken Wisenhunt used running backs there. Now, I, I think I have to take – I have to walk that back a little bit because – Matt said this before, you know, I hate stories that intuit what's wrong because of interpersonal stuff because I don't think we ever really know the interpersonal stuff of of, inside locker rooms, but I'd be stupid to say that there isn't interpersonal stuff. It's just we're never going to know it because it's all PR and spin. And so I I grant that maybe Wizenhunt was dealing with a bunch of very difficult personalities and just couldn't ever really commit because they were all, you know, knuckleheads in his book. But I... You know, I didn't see enough of Cobb one way or the other to say that he's a bust. I still have some hope that he could be a part of what they do in
1: 2016. We love these two teams together, but they're very, very different, and this is why. is Tennessee's not losing any of their running backs, and if it was the other way around, I think you'd just kind of see what Cobb can do. I agree with you. I mean, I want to see more of Cobb. I didn't love him, but he could be a chain-mover they are total rebuild maybe next year's when you go get your running back as opposed to you know, if I'm rebuilding a team running back's always gonna be my last piece, but they have gobs of cap money. You know, I mean, they're gonna spend it on somebody. I mean, and maybe it is only an Alfred Morris or Chris Ivory or somebody like that, but they have a ton of cap money that they're gonna have a hard time spending. Where the Jets have none and they have to re- resign Mo Wilkerson and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And not only is Ivory and Powell up for free agency, but so is Ridley. I mean, they don't have any yeah. running back. They have Zach Stacy right now is the only running back on their roster. I think of all the teams in the league, the most likely to be starting a rookie might be the Jets.
2: So at twenty, Zeke Elliott. I mean, that, if, he, I if he if he lasts that long,
1: uh, yeah, if he lasts that long, I think they run it up to the podium. Right. But I think he's going fifteen, or yeah. not. I think he's going earlier than that. We'll get to him. Right.
2: I mean, I'm with you about, and plus, we should add with the Jets, you know, one of the oldest teams in the NFL, you know, not at all built to last into the future, you know, saddled with a whole bunch of terrible contracts and, you know, just dead cap money and and Antonio Cromartie walking around town with a lot of their money, like, I, I am, I'm with you, like, there's there's no way they're signing one of the big free agents, so they almost have to go get a rookie whether or not he winds up starting. You know, I, and, and Ivory's got to be gone because Ivory, I think, is going to yeah. make legit two, $3 million on the market. Blah well, Powell's not making any money on the market.
1: I would bring back Ridley, though. I mean, if we can see yeah. the two-year-ago I mean, Ridley guy. at nothing. I mean, I'm not going to pay him anything, but of course. he might be their starter.
0: And he's a guy that's probably on waiver wires in Dynasty Leagues. So, right. uh, you know, that's just an, another reason it's it's so important to follow this free agency news um, before it even starts, you know, connect some of these dots uh, and take a chance on, you know, on a guy like Stephen Ridley who, who didn't really do anything last year.
1: Hey, Ryan, this next group, this Can We Trust Them group, let's kind of lump them all together and just see if there's any notes that stick out as opposed to going team by team, if that's cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, let's do that. So most of these guys... Um, had some, had some success last year, and, and some of these guys had some big-time success. Um, but there's still some question marks, and I think, I think in the minds of Dynasty owners, there is that question of can we trust these guys? Can we trust these to be fantasy starters every single week? So uh, we've got Devontae Freeman in Atlanta, of course, had the huge breakout season last year. Jonathan Stewart in Carolina. Ingram in, in New Orleans had some injury issues but was playing well before that. Um, CJ Anderson in Denver. He he is a free agent, but most likely to stay in Denver. And and Hillman's probably gone, so maybe he has the job to himself. Latavius Murray down in Oakland played. I, I think better than most people expected, but there's still some some doubt there. And then a couple of guys who disappointed, but still have some big time name value. Eddie Lacy in Green Bay and Amir Abdullah in Detroit. So just kind of throwing throwing all that group against the window Chris any thoughts on any of those uh why don't you tell me one player from that group that you would definitely trust as far as your dynasty team goes
2: I have to admit I I'm not looking at the list so I don't have the full the full group you want to run through them again for me yeah
0: absolutely sure so we've got Freeman Stewart Ingram Abdullah C.J. Anderson Latavius Murray and Eddie Lacey
2: you know, it's probably Lacey, even though I threw up on my mouth a little bit when said it. <laughs> um, you know, it's I don't really buy. This has been like a, a joke running through the podcast for like six months, but I don't really buy that what was wrong with Eddie Lacey was mostly weight gain. I don't even know that I necessarily believe that there was. I think he was. <clears throat> he's a fat guy. He was fat last year. I think he was fat this year. Like, he's just a big guy. Um, I didn't see any other running back on that roster. You know, taking the opportunity and running with it, I, I feel like that offense was a mess. Maybe the larger question for Green Bay is, are we all whistling past the graveyard by saying, oh, Jordan Nelson coming back is going to rescue everything. Everything's suddenly going to be better and they're going to go right back to being elite where, where you know offenses that we assumed would be elite like Detroit and New Orleans and, you know, name, name them uh, – Kind of seem like they're never going to bounce back to the levels that they were at before. But if they do bounce back, I think Lacy will probably wind up being a big enough part of it. Do I think he's a great player? No, but I think he's probably gets you know the biggest share of work in an offense that, if it bounces back, is one of the best in the league.
0: So Chris, I, I definitely agree with you that the only problem in Green Bay was not the injury to Jordy Nelson. You know there there was something deeper there, and and I'm not enough of a of a football scout to. Identify what it was, but I will disagree with you. I mean, I was really impressed when we saw James Starks run, um, and you know, I don't think he's he's a guy to go out and buy in the dynasty league or anything. But I think he looked a lot better than Eddie Lacy. Starks a free agent
1: too. I mean, Starks good. right. He's a, he's a jet starter.
2: Right. So he so he's probably gone from Green Bay, but I, you know. I will say there were moments when Starks looked good, and then there were moments when he dropped the ball, and then there were moments where I just think he's you know, not a heady running back. I, I think they all – I mean, I'm not even talking about numbers. I'm just talking about kind of the way they looked from game to game. I mean, Lacey had games where all of a sudden he's getting 20-something carries and and looking like himself again. Then next week would we come back and he'd be poop again. Like, I think you said it right. Like, there's something going on in Green Bay, and I'm not sure if it's a one-year phenomenon, but – whether it's they don't like the play calling or Aaron Rodgers is sort of thinks that he needs to sort of run his own show on the fly. I think there's some of that. Whether Randall Cobb is just dramatically overrated, there, there's some, something is rotten in that kingdom.
0: All right, Matt. Um, so Chris told us he's trusting Lacy of that group. I'll, I'll...
2: <laughs> Can we throw in that I threw up in my mouth when I said <laughs> right. it? Right.
0: He did. He did not have confidence with that statement, but he went with he went with Lacy. Um, so, Matt, I'll I'll go the end, other end of the spectrum with you. Again, we've got Freeman, Stewart, Ingram, Abdullah, C.J. Anderson, Latavius Murray, and Lacey. Which one of those are you not trusting?
1: Murray. I'm not a Murray fan at all, and I actually think that's if I had to put a chip down where Ezekiel Elliott's going to get drafted, I think it's going to be Oakland. You know, they're going to spend hmm. gobs and gobs of money in free agency, and maybe they go get Doug Martin or Miller or somebody. But, That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that could happen. I mean, that very well could happen. But I think they had their secondary whatnot. They go into the draft saying, our roster looks pretty good. We had a lot of veterans. Let me grab Elliott to put next to Cooper and Carr. And I love that thought. Um, just quick thoughts on this group. I don't think anything changes in Atlanta. It wouldn't shock me at all if Carolina uses a second or third round pick on a running back because I think they have to find Stewart's successor, and I don't think it's Artis Payne. That offense was a lot worse when Stewart was out. I don't think anything changes in New Orleans. I'm an Ingram believer, and go out and look. He's a lot younger than you think, and he has a lot less wear and tear on his body than you think. The Lions are the classic, have way too many other fish to fry. So I think Zenner's their big guy. Riddick's their receiver. Abdullah's somewhere in between. But they need O-line. Their wide receivers are a mess. They need to tackle. They need linebacker. They need secondary. Too many fish to fry. Too many fish to fry in Denver as well. Bigger dogs to deal with. I think C.J. Anderson is the lead guy. I already talked about Oakland. And Green Bay, another one of my predictions, something I could really see happen. And if I was Ted Thompson, I would call Matt Forte.
2: Yeah, I mean, people are talking about that. I, I would say Alfred Morris landing spot, look at Atlanta. Again, not based on oh, anything yeah. inside. It's Shanny, It's Shanny Jr. Um, and, you know, if you're going to say Tevin Coleman, I, Tevin Coleman had good moments. It's just every good Tevin Coleman moment was followed by an unbelievably head-clenchingly terrible Tevin Coleman moment. And maybe you just say, you know what, Tevin, why don't you sit for a year or two and let us they're not going to have to break the bank for Alfred Morris and you know, somebody Shanahan is comfortable with. I'm just not a Devontae Freeman believer at all. If you'd asked me which, which guy I think is overvalued of that group, I would have said Devontae Freeman.
1: Chris, you remember at the, at the summit last year we were talking about this situation and someone in the room said – Coleman's such a good fit for this zone blocking scheme, and you and I were sitting next to each other. We looked at each other like, "No, no he's not <laughs> you know, not at all." The two of us yeah. kind of rolled our eyes at each other, like, "Not even a little bit." No,
2: he doesn't cut. I mean, so like, I think he had, I think he did have good runs, but like, you know, he would he would do a twenty-five yard run, but he'd fumble at the end of it, or he, you know, he would pass. He, right. He, he. I mean, he's McFadden. He's McFadden. That's a great comparison. He's McFadden.
0: All right, we've got uh, our next category here just has two teams. I called it the crowded backfield uh, category. We've got the Giants. Uh, so, of course, they have Shane Vereen. They have Andre Williams, Rashard Jennings. Um, none of those guys really did much as far as uh, fantasy scoring last year. And then other end of the spectrum, the Patriots just continued to trot out, running back after running back, and they all seem to have some level of success. Of course, Dion Lewis uh, started out. Like crazy last year, and and was one of the big surprises. Legarrette Blunt played well at times. James White finished up the season and had a couple big games. Um, Blunt is a free agent. Do we do we just expect Lewis to to be a, the fantasy star he was the first half of last season?
2: I'm the Patriots fan, so I'll start. I got my footy pajamas on. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, Dale Lewis is gonna get hurt. This this just in. Dale Lewis is gonna get hurt. Uh, if you expect him to touch it as much as he touched it last year, something will break because something always breaks. He's a luxury. He's a he's a, you know they used him too much. He's a and they had to. I get why they did it. They didn't have anybody else. They had LeGarrette Blount. He's a trash bag. He is terrible at football. He's big, but he's bad. I mean, I've heard people compare Derrick Henry to LeGarrette Blount, and I, I assume every time that happens, Derrick Henry like gets a cold shiver. <laughs> because if that's if that's his career, uh-oh, it's not going to turn out so good for him. Um, I, you know, as a Patriot fan, I want Blunt gone. I think he's always tempting, and you know there'll be that one game a year, two games a year where they're blowing someone out, and he'll have twenty carries in the second half and make his numbers look good. But their game plan does not consist of Legarrette Blunt getting the ball early in games, and the reason is because they know he's not good. Um, they've they've liked having Matt. I saw something you wrote, like they've liked having the big body. For sure, to just be able to throw at the line, and you know, it's part of the logic why Stephen Jackson uh, came aboard at the very end of last year, and so maybe that's a reason why they don't pay for Forte. You know, instead they look at they look for a more physical, younger player. Um, but I just think if you're relying on Dion Lewis to be a fantasy star, I unfortunately just think he'll break.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, it's uh, I hate to hear that as just a fan of football. But I think that's, I think those are wise words, you know, The the Lewis breakout was a great story last year and, and anybody who pointed out his injury history was, was just shunned, you know, and, <laughs> and ridiculed. And, uh, of course, you know, I, again, I hate that it played out the way it did, but he got hurt again. Like he has every, you know, basically every year he's gotten a chance in the NFL, um, so as a Patriots fan or, or as, a, as a fantasy analyst, you can approach this either way you want, Chris. Who do you want? Let's, let's say they do let Blunt walk. Who do you want alongside Lewis in that backfield?
2: I want Matt Forte even though I recognize that he isn't a real banger. You know, he's a, he's a big enough guy, but he's really more of a finesse player than he is a banger. I just think he's a generational talent. And I think, I still think his film looked awfully good when he was healthy last year. Um, I would never pay the money that I assume Forte could get on the free agent market. I just want Matt Forte to decide I'll take a million dollars cause I want to win the Super Bowl. And if he would do that, I would do it in a heartbeat, acknowledging that they probably also should get a big running back somewhere just to be aware and tear guy, because that's not what Forte is. But I don't think the Patriots think of their backfield in terms of roles. I just think they think of very game plan specific uh, from week to week, and sometimes that's Lewis, and sometimes it's someone else. And I think Forte could be oh, just such a mouth watering portion of, of you know of that equation. It's probably not going to happen, um, and they're they're just not going to be players in free agency in general. But it's my dream.
0: Yeah, I've also heard the scenario of, of the continued. Um Jets Patriots rivalry that they go out and, and try to steal ivory. I, I'm assuming you'd be good with that as well.
2: I would be, but I just think there's no chance ivory takes less money. Like right. there's some chance Forte's made a lot of money in the NFL and you know is near is nearing the end and he does the Steven Jackson move. You know he does the Corey Dillon move, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Ivory hasn't made a ton of money in the NFL. He's this is it for him. This is his contract, and that's not the Patriots' mo.
0: All right, well, let's finish up with the, the last three teams we have not touched on yet, um, and, and I just call this category Next in Line. So these are three uh, three teams who have lost or likely will lose their veteran starter. Uh, we've already mentioned Matt Forte leaving Chicago. Of course, um, Marshawn Lynch has announced his retirement from the Seattle Seahawks, and everybody expects Alfred Morris to to part ways with the Redskins, so that leaves in Washington uh, Matt Jones, Rawls we already mentioned in Seattle, and Jeremy Langford in Chicago. Of course, uh, finishing up their rookie rookie year, these are all uh, fairly young backs. Um, none of them were necessarily highly rated coming into the league a year ago. Uh, Rawls was an undrafted free agent. I think Jones was a surprise third round pick, and and the Bears got Langford a little bit later. Um, if you're taking a shot on one of these guys in your Dynasty League, who are you taking, Chris?
2: Oh, so this is independent of price, right? Because I think the price is very different on these guys. Uh,
0: yeah, let's just say you have your choice. Okay. Yeah, independent uh, price. I am...
2: I'm going to say Rawls, but I think there's a pretty big caveat, which is what is that Seattle offense going to be? Like is Russell Okung really leaving? It sounds like he is. Is Sweezy really leaving? I'm not sure he's great, but it, but it sounds like he is. I do trust that the Seahawks are good at finding players that we haven't heard of and turning them into good NFL starters. So I'm not going to say that suddenly means it's a bad offensive situation, but it is has a little less stability than it's had in the past few years. And I don't think Rawls is a superstar in terms of ability. The guy who I likened him to when I was watching his tape before he broke his leg was Ahmad Bradshaw. And when Ahmad Bradshaw was healthy before he had foot problems, he was a really good player. Not an elite superstar type player, but pretty darn good. Um, I think Jeremy Langford is fairly close behind. You know, he would probably be second on my list. And then Matt Jones has some upside, some really some interesting stuff about him, but there were big-time warts last year as well.
0: Yeah, I pretty much agree with that, and um, you chose Rawls. Rawls is, is the most expensive, um, you know, and if you're looking at Dynasty ADP or looking at some recent trades, he's already being valued pretty highly, and and Matt Jones seems to be the cheapest, so that's that's in line with, with your analysis
1: as well. Um, yeah.
2: what do you, Matt, what do you think of those three?
1: Um, I agree with pretty much everything you said. You know, if I'm Seattle, maybe Fred Jackson. Actually, if I'm Seattle, all three of these teams, I think would like to bring in a veteran. I mean, these are young players. Do you trust them? Do you? You know, I'd like to have an older guy that's been around the block to put in the running back meeting rooms here. Seattle could probably get that done. Maybe they think it's Fred Jackson. But like you said, their line is horrible, and, and yeah. it's been horrible for years. But it looks worse than ever. I would assume that's their number one priority this off season. Washington, I like their line, and despite what we saw from Kirk Cousins, I think they are going to be a run-first team. I think Matt Jones has a chance to be 1,200-yard rusher here, but their cap problems are big, and so I don't know that they can go sign a veteran of consequence to put in the room with him, but you're right. I mean, the fumbles, he's highly inconsistent. I'm not a big Langford fan. I gotta admit he played better than I expected him to last year. The Bears have tons of cap room, I think they get somebody. I mean, maybe that's where Starks lands or Morris or somebody with size. Yeah, I
2: mean, what Langford is is another one of those big guys who doesn't really run big. He's fast. Right. I'm I'm not sure he necessarily cuts all that much, and I'm not necessarily – like people who think that Jeremy Langford is Matt Forte are in for a really sad treat because Matt Forte is a big guy who's just unbelievable feet, and Jeremy Langford just doesn't have that.
1: Yeah, I think Langford's just a guy. Yep. Yep. Oh,
2: fast guy, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, he can he run the fast. fast
1: straight line. That's his best attribute. Right. And Carrie's just a guy, too. I mean, they have a ton of cap room. I bet they bring in somebody that steals carries, goal line carries, whatnot. I, I don't know, but the Bears could use another back, and I think they'll get it.
2: What's your assessment of Rawls? Like, uh, even independent of the offensive line, which I know you really can't separate, but I'm interested just do you find yourself, uh, you know, that he a little better than we thought he'd be?
1: For sure, you know, I mean, considering he didn't come to the league with much fanfare. Um, we had Sigmund one a couple episodes back, and he absolutely loves the guy. Uh, I thought your Ahmad Bradshaw comparison was a very good one. He's a smaller guy, but he runs hot. You know, I mean, he's a nasty physical runner. I wonder, you know, like all these running backs, so, I mean, I'm sure he's going to take a lot of beating, especially behind that offensive line. I wouldn't pay what he costs right now in the dynasty world but I wouldn't be looking to sell them if I owned them either. Right.
0: So over the next few weeks we know, you know, we'll see these guys like Miller and Ivory and Foster and Forte and Alfred Morris, you know, they're gonna sign in in places we may not expect and, and just throw <laughs> you know throw all this analysis out the window. So that's that's the fun part of free agency and, and following the NFL in the offseason.
2: We, hey, bear- we didn't get to the Hall of Famer David Johnson.
0: Oh, we no, did with him. Wow. Okay, <laughs> so... Talking about
2: the, a chance to, chance to be one of the greatest running backs in the NFL history, according to Bruce Arians? Probably going to give him 35 carries a game, I would guess. Right.
1: Exactly. At least he'll save. He was right. going to with Ellington last year. Right. right. Sure. You
0: know, you know Chris, I actually did have him in the safe category, the very first one we mentioned. Oh, you would, did? Okay. Would you agree his job is safe?
2: I think his job is safe. I just don't think he's a proven commodity at all. Right. Like, uh, you know, I, I think they'll try to make him a starter, but I'm not sure I... I'm not sure I would have put him. You know, he probably wasn't the scariest of that safe group to me. I, I lost track of the, the list, but I do. Um, I worry that maybe too much is being given. You know, I, I, I admit he ran. You know, I didn't see any Northern Iowa film, so I'm just going to admit that right away. Like last year, I kind of just took as given what people were saying, which was big kid who doesn't run over anybody and plays like a small back. And that certainly was not what we saw. He was quite physical, um, and for his size, he moves real well. But I just think it's a super passing offense, and if he doesn't get a lot of one-yard touchdowns, people might be disappointed.
0: So he's being valued as the, the third running back in Dynasty. I, just, and, I think
2: that's crazy.
0: And you're a big-time seller at that point, right? Oh,
2: my goodness. If I could get, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, it seems like I could get almost anybody I want if he's being valued as the third running back in Dynasty. I just think that's so. But I mean,
1: who's your number three, I guess, is my question. You I mean, asked me this obvious, and then the third right. one it's still David Johnson for me. Okay, I love his situation yeah
2: it's like it 's not for me that much but but Matt, you asked me um you, you said that that was going to be one of your questions on this on this podcast, and so yeah. to, like a top five, so one and two, I have bell and Gurley, and you could probably intersperse them. My number three is getting hit by a bus <laughs> that 's my dead spin that's my my uh, my nod to dead spin um <laughs> My, my number three is it's a giant chasm to number three and then, uh, but my real number three is Doug Martin and I'll tell you my number four is Adrian Peterson for exactly the reasons you guys were saying like nothing's given and nothing's promised and I'll take one year of Adrian Peterson please
1: yeah I mean I understand that logic
0: alright well thanks, uh, thanks so much for being on Chris why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and find your work
1: Sure, I mean,
2: um, Twitter, at Harris Football, uh, you can give me a follow there, and that's kind of the gateway drug to all things Harris Football, uh, but we have a podcast called the Harris Football Podcast, uh, didn't exist as of like six months ago, and it turned into this monolithic big machine that people actually like and listen to, I'm very happy, and uh, so it's on iTunes and any or anywhere else you get podcasts, and uh, we're doing shows this week, during the Combine, we'll have shows during uh, free agency, daily, and then around the draft, we'll have like three weeks of, of shows every day, take a little break in the summer, and then, yeah, I mean, the good thing compared to what I used to do at ESPN is that during the season, it's, it's every weekday, so it's five shows a week. It's a lot of work, but a lot of fun.
0: All right, well, thanks again for coming on, and we'll see you guys next time.